Welcome to the Red Caps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and ramble on about old school games. In today's episode, we are going to talk about supply and inventory and how I handle it in my game. We'll also give an update on Ribbon in the Garden of Yin. As you know, no mortal can run a red cap, so sit back, listen, and I hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, though, we had a couple of call-ins, one from Jason over at Nerds RPG Variety Cast and James over at Subclass Act. So, gentlemen, take it away. Hey, it's James from Subclass Act. I wanted to call and say I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the recent episodes, but I especially enjoyed the Solo Gardens of Yin episode. Uh, as you can imagine, I think solo, solo stuff is cool. Um, but I thought that was a really cool way to use it for a solo. I thought that was really interesting. And I bet the Stygian library similarly would uh, work really well for that. So yeah, I enjoyed it and uh, bring on more. Hey, Jason here. I think you should definitely should continue the solo ventures. Very interesting. If supply is what I think it is, then yeah, it's a great concept. The, the whole idea of the, you know, kind of like the quantum backpack thing. The, you have X amount of units and whatever you want, you can pull out. Although some people randomize it, so I'm interested to see it randomize availability or, or, or what can come out. So I'm interested to see how you handle that. Anyhow, take care. Thanks for the calls. Jason, this episode is going to answer that question for you. And James, I strongly considered using the Sigean library. It looks amazing. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a very similar adventure to the one that we're in. Uh, it simply uses a library instead of a garden. Um, but I decided to go with the garden, and at the end of this episode, like I said, we'll have a update on Ribbon and his journey. So, on to the show. The topic uh, was briefly touched on way back in episode 12, uh, when I was talking with Paths Peculiar about the idea that the bag of holding is kind of a terrible item. We both agreed that limiting how much a character can carry not only into, but also out of a dungeon is very important, uh, as well as it's good to reward players who do careful planning. Part of the reason that the bag of holding is so incredibly popular is that it removes essentially the need to manage inventory, uh, which is fair because in some ways inventory management can kind of be a drag in basic D&D and many forms of D&D really. My solution to this problem was that every person will get 10 slots of inventory space modified by their strength modifier. So if you have a plus two in strength, you'd have 12 slots. If you had minus one, you'd have nine slots. An object that a person can carry that requires two hands, like say picking up a set of armor, uh, that would take up two slots. Objects that can be held in a single hand, like say a sword or a um, staff, that would take up a single slot. Objects that you can hold multiples of in one hand would take up half a slot um, and they would stack. So things like daggers. So if you had three or four daggers, that could take up a half a slot. Uh, if you had things that were very delicate and could risk breaking, you should use a full slot for those. That would indicate that you're trying to keep them from getting broken. You know, things like rare vases or uh, special bottles or potions or something like that. Coins can go into a coin bag and each coin bag can hold 100 coins and that coin bag also takes up one half of a slot. This allows you to get a very clean character sheet where you basically draw out 10 lines and... At a glance, as long as those lines aren't all filled up with stuff, you still have room in your encumbrance to carry items. Um, I saw an idea floated around I haven't yet playtested, but I think it's really cool. And that is if you have a system like this where there's you know a clear 10, 10 slots, let's say, uh, if somebody wants to pull something from their backpack, if they wanted to pull 
um, say, uh, a thing of rope, and it was on line five of their inventory sheet. They would pick up a D10, roll it, and if they rolled higher, um, sorry, yeah, if they rolled higher than the slot that it's on, uh, then they could get it as a bonus action. If they rolled lower than the slot it was on, uh, then they would have to take a full action pull at that item. So it kind of makes you think about where you put stuff in your inventory and kind of simulates that whole like rummaging around in a backpack uh, type situation. Probably it doesn't come into play in most situations, but if somebody was trying to quickly pull out something um, from a bag, for, say in combat or in a very tense situation, um, then you know like, it could come into play. It could be kind of neat. It could also be used if uh, there was like a fire or there was a chance that something that you would have in your inventory could be damaged. You could make it so that the stuff that's at the top of the inventory stack is more likely to get hurt than the stuff that's at the bottom. Something along those lines. Supply is a concept that I first heard of in the book Five Torches Deep, and it essentially abstracts away all the mundane, sorry, mundane uh, things that you may buy at a local you know, general goods store, things like rope and ball bearings and spikes and rations, those sorts of things. Um, it allows a player to transform this abstracted item called supply into one of these real world things while they're out in the field. Uh, supply takes up one half of a slot in my system. And once it's converted to an item, it stays as that item. You can't take it back to supply. Uh, you're not allowed to have anything magical, no weapons, uh, although you can do weapon, or sorry, like ammo, like arrows or um, yeah, crossbow bolts or things like that. Uh, no potions, uh, none of that stuff is allowed. It's essentially just like the mundane stuff that you would find at any general goods store. The drive behind this is to cut down on that really awkward uh, shopping time at a, uh, that you have in town, uh, especially if you've got a limited game time. You just want to get to the action, like get to the adventure. Um, so cutting that down was key for me. And I also didn't want people to not be able to do creative solutions. So I, I hate the idea of somebody being in a dungeon facing a problem and going, I've got this great idea, but none of us thought to bring item X. Sometimes that's good, but it also feels kind of bad. Like I want, I want that player to do the cool thing. Um, so having supply means they can just be like, yeah, we, we have this and they, they now have it. Um, and yeah, so it promotes the problem solving. It cuts down on some wasted time. Anyhow, that's how I handle inventory and supply. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, if you use a different system, let me know. And uh, we'll go from there. As far as our friend Ribbon and his journey into the Gardens of Yin. When last we left, he had just left a garden that was full of greenhouses. He'd stepped into the hedges and was on his way to the next area. As he made his way through... The fog in the hedges eventually cleared, and the vision he saw in front of him was a beautiful one. A garden full of fruit trees of all different colors and shapes, some tall, some short. The branches were heavy, heavy with fruit. Uh, intertwined throughout all the trees were these twisting, uh, winding, glorious glass tubes um, that almost came up like trees themselves and wrapped themselves like vines around all the trees. Uh, the tubes were clear. He could see very colorful liquid flowing through these tubes, almost as if the tubes were milking or juicing the trees and getting the color of the, of the, of the fruits into them. Unfortunately, it was also very obvious that this area had not been harvested or cared for in a very, very long time. There was a nasty stench of fermenting rotten fruit from the fruit that was scattered all over the ground. 
it was to the point where it was unbearable. And as Ribbon spent a little bit of time looking around, the the burning in his eyes and the burning in his nose and lungs got more and more harsh. And he struggled to breathe and he uh, eventually had to take a save versus poison, which he failed and took a point of damage. As he was looking around, though, he spotted a very uh, prominent and clean-looking red brick pathway that headed directly towards one of the hedges. Uh, As he's trying to wipe the tears from his eyes and catch his breath from the stench of this place, he began heading down this path. Uh, It was a little bit longer than he first expected as he was walking, but soon he entered into the hedges again and into the fog. He spent much more time in the fog and hedges this time than he had in his previous entries, either into the garden or from that first garden to this one. Um, and actually he had ended up finding out, uh, I guess out of character, he find, he finds out that he ended up going seven layers deeper into the garden. Uh, this path took him from uh, what was level one to level eight. Eventually that fog and brush gave, gave way and Ribbon found himself staring at a very strange and very twisted cemetery. So folks, that wraps up this episode of the Red Caps podcast. I hope you enjoyed, you learned something, and you're eager to come back for more. Please subscribe in your podcasting app of choice. And if there is an option to leave a review, it would warm my cold little heart if you did. I'd love to hear from you, so please head over to anchor.fm slash the Redcaps and leave me a voicemail. Or you can say hi on Twitter or Facebook at the Redcapsnet. There is a Discord server. Link will be down in the description of the episode. And feel free to jump on there and say hi as well. Remember, everybody, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe. Have fun. We'll talk again soon. Take care.